I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is actress and foster care and adoption advocate, Jen Lilly. We're going to be talking about foster care and adoption today. You may recognize Jen Lilly from her dozens of starring roles on the Hallmark Channel or from her breakout performance in the Academy Award-winning film, The Artist. But just last year, Jen's first daughter, Julie, was born, and she is also a mother to a newly adopted son as well as a foster son. Last month, she partnered with the foundation Project Orphans to establish a neighborhood in the United States to give orphans and children in foster care safe and loving homes with a focus on permanency and adoption. She's also launched her new weekly podcast, Fostering Hope, which aims to help normalize and support adoptive families of all types, foster ethical practices, and champion for safe loving families for the children who need them. She's a celebrity ambassador for the Child Abuse and Treatment Organization, Child Help, Project Orphans, EPAT, ECPAT, E-C-P-A-T, and the Dave Thomas Foundation. Welcome to the show, Jen. Nice to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, well, you have quite a story. Um, Mother of three, right? One biological child, one foster care child, one adoptive child. So you are the mom and the expert and the actress as well, right? Um, Talk to us about how you decided or how you became involved in becoming a foster parent, first of all, and then we'll start with that. Okay. Um, It's kind of a long story, so to make it succinct (laughs) for your (laughs) listeners, basically, um, Growing up, my, my dad, my parents have both retired, but my dad was a judge and my mom was a director of a women and children's charity. And so because of that, and because the goal of foster care is to remain unbiased and reunify these children with their birth families, that's the primary goal of foster care. Um, they were unofficial foster parents. That's what I like to say. They never got their license. However, um, they were oftentimes you know, a mom and a, and a kid or a dad and a kid or just a, you know, maybe a teenager living with us who just really needed help transitioning in life. You know, they'd fallen on hard times and they just needed a place to land. And so because of that, um, I believe that really planted a deep seed of empathy in me um, and, and really made the idea of foster care less scary because, um, you know, I'm sure you know by having a degree in social work, there are a lot of misconceptions about so many things. But one of the common misconceptions about foster care is that these children are associated with um, the juvenile delinquent system, that these are bad kids. Um, that's It's crazy to me that people believe that, but that's actually the majority of Americans, 51% surveyed, believe that that is true. And the, the truth is, is that these are children who have found themselves in an extremely broken system um, through no fault of their own, but because they've sustained unimaginable abuse and neglect. So, um, so the idea of foster care was not scary to me. Um, however, it was scary to my husband, Jason, uh, because he just had misconceptions. And so I, I'm a pretty passionate, well, I'm an extremely passionate person. <laughs> and like, in our relationship, I am the gas and the match, and he is the brakes. Um, and that works for us. But um, I had told him 
when in like on our seventh year of marriage, which is a tricky year of marriage, you know, we kind of had a conversation at the table, you know, like, how did we get here? How are we going to re- rebuild our marriage? And I said, one of the things that's really important to me that we still haven't explored is foster care. And he was like, I don't want to do that. It's scary. Like, I don't want to do that. And I said, okay, look, you're 50% of this marriage. So you have a say, you know, like if you don't want to foster, that is so okay with me. I can become a CASA, which is a court-appointed special advocate. I can become, uh, I just continue my mentorship work. I can do advocacy. I can change legislation. There's so many ways you can help foster care without doing the heavy job of, of becoming a foster parent. I said, however, I know that you won't really know what foster care is. You're basing this on your idea. And so I will not let you say no to foster care until you know what you are saying no to. So until we take an introductory class, um, like I don't, I'm not going to hear your no. Basically, like it doesn't count. So um, he was just like, okay, I guess that's fair. And so that was on the table our seventh year of marriage. We've been married 13 years now. And then I became a mentor through child. Wait, I want to go back because you said you took a class. You actually took a class. There are classes in foster parenting. You're saying so. What was this like a six week class? Or we had we we didn't take it. We didn't take a class yet. Um, It was just on the table. So for anyone who wants to foster, you know, one thing I tell them is like. Honestly, not as a self-plug, but listen to my podcast, Fostering Hope, because I created it out of a lack of information. You know, if you can justify foster care for people, you make it less scary, and you give them the opportunity to understand what it is. And so I tell people all the time on my podcast, you can contact your local Department of Children and Family Services. That's what we call it here in California. Um, but the, the United States, as most people know, are they're 50 wildly different states. And so there's no universal term for DCFS. Um, some states call it Department of Human Services, which here in California does a different thing. Um, some call them Child Protective Services. You can call one of those organizations and say, hey, I just want some more information about becoming a foster parent. The classes are free um, because they desperately need foster parents. There are over 440,000 children in the foster care system here in the United States right now. Thousands more waiting. Um, well, you, you know, Jen, so you said that the kids get a bad rap, which they do. That they do. The kids they do. Were, they do. Yeah, and but also the parents get a bad rap. You know, that people just yeah, foster kids so that they can yeah. get more money a month, oh. and that you know, and that at least that's it's, yeah. I think that's out there too. It, it, but that's an accurate one too. So, like, okay. I will just say, I'll say how we got into foster care, and then I definitely want to talk talk statistics because, Catherine, that is my favorite thing in the world. Um, Statistics and then breaking it down to a person because mind uh, numbers and statistics are numbing, but people matter, right? So when I'm going to break down the statistics. So basically, that was on the table with my husband and I. He was like, okay, maybe it was like a class one day. I became a mentor through child health program, um, special friends, which is like big brothers, big sisters. We fall in love with our mentor, our mentee, excuse me, and she was facing reunification. Now, children that live in the child health village, my personal opinion that I'm really biased about is that they should never, ever, ever go back to their birth families because these are like the Gabriel Fernandez cases. Like, you, they, there's no way they should go back with that parent, ever. Um, and so she was facing reunification with her abuser, and I was, like, not on my watch. And so with my husband, so we became licensed foster parents in order to foster her. It did not work out, but her story had a happy ending, and I'm still in touch with her today. We got our son, Caden, at four months. He's now four. His little brother, we got at four months. He's now two, and we're in the process of adopting. So that's how we got involved in foster care. Um, now, the statistics are so 
Interesting. Okay, so like anything, you know, 2020 has been a really interesting year, right? We've had the pandemic, and then we've had this um, very tough issue of racial discrimination and intention in our society. And I really believe that 2020 is an opportunity for us to experience extreme pain in order to grow. Because, you know, when you're growing up, you have growing pains. And sometimes you have to scare the ugly truth in the face in order to change it. You cannot change something that you, you know, are just blissfully unaware of. So I'm excited about 2020. It's extremely painful. And I am advocating for so many things. Um, But I'm excited because when you find out the truth and when you can figure out how to properly love and really love something, not in an empty way. You can change and break the cycle of abuse, and that's the only way you can break the cycle of abuse. So I bring that up because um, here are the statistics in foster care. If we, we talk- do not love them as a child, go ahead. No, I was statistics. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so was- if we don't love them as a child, if we don't rehabilitate and break this cycle of abuse, because girls, children who end up in foster care, their moms were in foster care. Girls who grew up in foster care 600 times more likely than girls who did not grow up in foster care to have children who end up in foster care. So it's an extremely vicious cycle, just like any cycle of abuse. Um, if they don't get love from a loving foster family, and we'll go over that in a second, here are the stats. 50% of our homeless population here in the United States came from foster care. 70 to 80%, and that, that statistic varies 10% because it depends state by state, right? So when I say that it varies, it's because state by state you have different studies. But the average is 70 to 80% of our incarcerated throughout the United States came from foster care. And upwards of 98% of our human trafficking victims and our sex victims came from foster care. So here you go back to the root of the issue, and it's that, you know, children who experience extreme trauma and go from trauma and abuse and neglect from their birth family into a hellhole foster home, of course they're going to repeat that cycle. A lot of them commit crimes just so that they can go to prison or or jail because to them it's like, okay, at least I have a hot in the cot, I have a roof over my head, I know how to work that system. It's crazy. So you really need to rehabilitate them as children, but the problem with foster parents is that that misconception is true. I am a rare foster parent. Now, I know a lot of amazing foster parents like me, but it's one of the reasons I joined the fight, and it's one of the reasons I have my podcast, Fostering Hope. I was talking to Dr. John DeGarmo um, just a lot through the last three weeks. He and I recently became friends, and we're very similar. We're very passionate. We love numbers. We love studies. He runs the Foster Care Institute. And I said, Dr. John, what do you think the statistic is for bad foster parents? Because I said, I came across this. Now we connected. I said, I came across your article on foster care burnout. And foster care burnout is that within the first year of becoming a licensed foster parent, 50% of those new licensed foster parents give up. They burn out. And they burn out because we don't feel supported at all. Because foster parenting is not like normal parenting. It is helpful to talk to other parents, but it's kind of not. Because it's isolating. You don't feel like you have any support. You have no say over these children, but you love them as your own if you're a good foster parent. There is no money if you're a good foster parent. Okay, so just hold on to that. Do not let me forget to get to the money for the bad foster parents, please, because I really want to set the record straight. It is insane. So 50% of them are burning out because they just feel not supported, not seen. They can't get the services for their kids. Nobody's listening to them. Nobody's, the, the system is not built 
for, it is called the child welfare system, but it is not built with the children in mind. It's a, it's a very corrupt system. So Now, is that true Dr. across Don, the United yeah, States in terms of each state or <coughs> each state is different, as you said? Each state I mean, is different. Yeah. But yeah, the United States is a mess when it comes to foster care. I just found out two weeks ago, I'm now working to change federal legislation because I'm like, well, that's a problem. There is no federal regulation on the reunification process with children. So here in California, it's interesting because L.A. makes up 10% of the United States children in foster care. L.A. is overrun with children, and the social workers, I love them. They are overworked. Some of them have, I talked to, the highest number I ever heard was 86 kids, 86 kids on our caseload. You know, as a social worker, that's impossible. Of course, children are going to fall through the cracks. That's impossible. So I think that L.A. does an outstanding job. I think our foster care system here in Los Angeles and overall in California our laws are with the children in mind. I have seen that the judges here do put the children first. Um, it's just that there's so many that we can't address all of them, and they do fall through the cracks. Now, with this, you know, with the Gabriel Fernandez case, you know, our Couture case, there's a lot of cases that have happened here in the L.A. County area, um, and they do need to be addressed. You know, we do need reformation still. However, I will say I have only seen L.A., the higher ups really care. It's just that it's a broken system and it takes a while to fix. That's any broken system, right? So what do you do, Jen, so, about the numbers? Because the numbers are there. So how do you mitigate or alleviate yep. those numbers? Yeah. So here's how we alleviate the numbers. So if you have a 50% turnover rate in the good foster parents, now the goal and focus has to first become, we have to keep the good foster parents in the game. Okay? Because, and how do you do that? You support them. Um, your local community, if you go to a church, if you go to a church, you need to be supporting these kids. Like, I could preach at the church because I have the right to, because it's like, I don't have the, the, the right to judge people who are not Christian. That is exactly what the Bible says. Like, that is not my job. But if you're a Christian, it, it is your job. Like, we are commanded to love these children. Like, it specifically says love the orphans over and over and over again. And so, you know, you need to support these these um foster parents, you know, it's as simple as being like, hey, I'll become a licensed babysitter or something. You can like go on a date with your husband because foster care challenges your marriage. Um, Hey, you know, I have a crib, you know, and I I see that you're going to take in a baby. Would you like my bouncer? Would you like to borrow my bouncer or have my bouncer or my crib? Or what can I do? Do you do a stroller? You know, like stop giving your hand-me-downs to to Goodwill. Like ask a foster parent or donate it to a foster care closet so that we can rescue these children because if they don't get that bed, they're sleeping under a social worker's desk. That's what's crazy. I remember when I was doing direct services, and I'm going to ask you this question, and we, you know, had to place somebody or there was no place to go, and you're talking about religious organizations, we always knew that we could turn to Catholic charities or Jewish family services. They would do it for us. I don't know if that's still true today, but that was sort of, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's still true, and I know um, that... Care Portal, uh, which is basically amazing universal system where it's like Craigslist for churches in foster care. So DCFS could put in, hey, I need a bed tonight because you can't place a child without having a bed in the home. And, and I say that because it's like 
it's like to the listeners, I might be like, duh, but look, if I'm a foster parent and I've only fostered an infant, then I might not have a twin bed. So if I'm getting an emergency placement, I need a bed tonight in order to take that kid. Otherwise, there's three options. One, keep the child with the abuser. Two, homelessness. Or three, sleep under the foster, you know, under the social worker's desk. Like that is literally, these are the three options if you can't place them in an emergency situation. So we need to retain the good foster parents to change that statistic. Now here's the other uh, thing about foster parents. So who is not burning out? The ones who don't burn out after the first year of fostering either found community like me and just really, you know, rallied and, and, and worked my way through the emotions and the anguish that goes on in foster care. And the way I did that was I found I started following foster moms that were like-minded and had their priorities right on Instagram. And I'll call them. I'm like, you know, they're like, you're a celebrity. And I'm like, I don't care. Here's my cell phone. Like, can we talk? Because, like, mom to mom, foster mom to foster mom. Like, I'm at a break. I have court tomorrow. And they're like, got it. I've been there. So you can find community. That's how you retain the good foster parents. But who's and, not and now I want to just stop you there because, Jen, what about those specific yeah. emotional qualities that you would, that you know, you would define in yourself and also good uh, other good foster mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. that one needs? What do you need? It's like, a fantastic what, question. You're amazing, Catherine. I'm so excited you, you, you're amazing. I'm so excited you asked that. So, you know, I hear all the time from people, oh God, I was, you know, you're such an amazing person for being a foster parent. And you're like, okay, please stop. Um, because I'm not like, I, I mean, yes, I have a good heart, but you do not have to be a superhuman to be a foster parent. All these kids need is love, stability, and safety. And the thing that they say, the follow-up statement is like, oh my God, I could never do it. I get too attached. Well, then you're the perfect foster parent. Because these children need attachment more than we need to protect our hearts. That's what I tell people. I'm like, excuse me, you're an adult. And if you've made it as an, into life as an adult and you came from not foster care, I'm not saying you haven't experienced trauma in your life. I don't want to discredit people's personal stories. But if you've experienced trauma and overcome it, how much more so are you going to be an incredible foster parent who can empathize with these children? You have coping skills as an adult. By the time you're an adult, you should be able to, you know, cope a little bit with your emotions. These children have, children in foster care are two times more likely to have PTSD than a veteran. If that's not staggering, like they don't have a cope. They have so much trauma they're helpless. They, they can't cope with what they've been handed in life. Their situation is not their choice. The timing is not their choice. We have to create good foster parents and, and, and create an environment where good foster parents can stay in the game because who's staying in the game are the bad ones, the ones who do do it for the money. Now, I never understood the money thing because I was like, what are you talking about? There's money in foster care. Like, I can't. I spent so much money on my boys, like formula, you know, like they say you can get wick, but like, yes and no, you know, like, it's like by the time you're buying the clothes and, and the sheets and the diapers, oh my God, diapers are expensive, expensive and the formula and the, you know, all the things. It's like, what are you, there is no more money. And, and if there is, like that goes to the child, you know, like then I'm going to buy on museum pass so that they can learn. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I went to, and Dr. John DeGarmo said he thinks that here's the he thinks that seventy percent of foster homes are still the hellholes, and thirty percent are the good ones. So I'm working tirelessly, and so is he, to change that statistic. So we've got to, to reverse the statistic. Yeah, but it is a true statistic. 
I mean, and that's what's hard. But you can reverse it by, you know, becoming a foster parent and staying in the game or helping other foster parents stay in the game. Um, there's a 30% turnover in social workers, too, you know, because it's emotionally taxing. Nobody ever thanks social workers, and I say that on my podcast, too. What does it look like if you just called up your local Department of Children and Family Services and said, hey, can I help you with anything? They don't get that phone call, you know, or, or go to Starbucks and get one of those um, – you know, those like cardboard bins and bring the coffee cups and croissants from Starbucks and say, hey, you know, I just wanted to bring this by for your office. They might not drink it, but the, the, the idea of doing something kind for them and making them be seen, because social workers don't feel seen. They're just like one piece of a puzzle. And they sometimes never, most of the time, never see the full picture. You might be the person who took the straw off that camel's back when they were going to, you know, turn in their paperwork that afternoon. You don't know. So we've got to reverse the statistic. And um, the money in foster care is nuts. The system is so broken because it rewards bad behavior. I went to the National uh, Association of Foster Parents um, conference last year, and I had child care for the day. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the afternoon sessions. They teach these amazing classes on trauma or whatever you want. There's like a menu of free classes, like any conference. And I love learning, clearly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, I'm going to learn about the adoption assistance program because I didn't know that once you adopted a kid out of foster care, you keep getting a monthly check. You, you keep getting assistance. I did not know that. I was like, well, then why don't people adopt? I thought people didn't adopt because they just couldn't afford to. No, that's not the case. And when I, and the National Foster Parents Association, I do want to say, is amazing, and they're incredible. So this is not, what I'm about to say does not reflect their heart. But one other foster mom who was in the class, I started talking to the foster moms around me after the class wrapped up, because I was like, this is amazing. Everybody in this class is adopting. They must be, like, incredible. I want to hear all about their cases. It's so emotional. I'm trying to build community. And this one mom says, oh, no, 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 the rate is always negotiable. And I was like, well, I don't need to read you know, go negotiate my rate. I think it's so lovely that, like, you get assistance. We're talking about my child's going to be medical until he's 18. Like, that's crazy amazing. You know, like, great. Like, Caden deserves that. She's like, no, no, no. So she's like, what you want to do is, is, is your, has your son ever had regional center services, which is like speech therapy or whatever here in L.A.? And I was like, yeah, you need a speech therapy. And they're like, great, so keep him in that. And I was like, well, no, but he's better. And they're like, no, no, no. So you want to get your child in therapy. If you can get them a diagnosis, this is what a mom is saying to me. If you can get them a diagnosis, like does he have ADHD or anything? And I was like, what? What? And she, what are you? What? What? She's just like, yeah. The more problems you have with the kid, if they fall behind in school, if you can get them in special education, that's another a thousand dollars. I was like. Uh, like I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. There is money in foster care for people who are willing to abuse these children. Yeah. So that you're rewarded for bad behavior. And I don't know how you change that, but it's like the, my, my game plan is one recruit and maintain better foster parents Two, come alongside DCFS and, 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 and rally behind them, let them know that they're seen, that they're cared for, thank a social worker. Even if you feel like they're a bad social worker, I promise you they were not always that way. People don't get into social work to be bad. They probably just got jaded. So why don't you love your social workers? Three, 
you know, go into schools and, and train the mandated reporters. Mandated reporters don't know what mandated reporting really is. They're like, oh, I reported it to the school social worker. It's like, and I, no, I hate you to interrupt. To we have two number. minutes left. I mean, there's so much good information and, and you're so yeah. right. And I just want to make sure that people do because you have a weekly podcast, Fostering Hope, so people can listen to that, yeah. right? And obviously get more. It's all about yeah. information, I mean, is what you're saying. And yeah. At, yeah. And and uh, correct information. And so, and, yeah, and yeah. so I would say so we have two minutes websites. Websites. Yeah. yeah, great. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, 100% of my profit from my music goes toward building a safe neighborhood for children in foster care. So I want this neighborhood to be filled with loving foster parents like me for the built, me, built-in community, the kids have built-in community, um, so I'm going to build one of those. It's, I think I'm going to start in Oklahoma, but we're going to replicate it in all 50 states once I figure out the model. So okay. if you go to my website, which is Jen Lilly, J-E-N-L-I-L-L-E-Y music, music.com, <laughs> anything purchased on my website, 100% of it's going to be donated to Project Orphans USA in order to build that uh, orphanage. Or Fantastic. Can, the thing is, if you donate to Project Orphans, there's a separate fund for the USA office, and that goes you know, you'd have to contact them. You can donate them to them directly or go anything that you purchase on my website, 100% of my profit goes towards that cause. Yes. Jen, thanks so much for being on the show. I mean, it was great. Obviously, there's a on. lot more to talk about, and I want people to connect with you after the show as well, generally, and I'll listen to her podcast, a weekly podcast, Fostering Hope. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 